Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome. Welcome to it. Welcome, one and all. Welcome to all you new people. Have a seat. Hang out. Listen. All right? Listen to it. Don't talk. Well, you can talk. You know what? It's fine. Talk to me all you want. Yell at me. It doesn't matter. Because I can't hear you. How's it going? You okay? Everybody good? How's that thing? Did you get that thing taken care of? How's being back at work? Is that all right? Is it weird? Is everybody back or are you the only one there? Is there a couple people? What are you guys doing with the mask situation? Does anyone care anymore? Are people over it where you are? Did everyone just decide it's done? What's going on with testing? What What is happening? Oh, you're going to work at home for the rest of your life? Is that good though? Shouldn't you get out? All right. Can we talk later? Everyone good? Great. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Ariana DeBose is on the show today. She started out as a dancer and she was uh, in Broadway shows like Hamilton, but now she's Oscar nominated for Best Supporting Actress for playing Anita in West Side Story. I, I, I imagine that she's kind of surprised about it. Maybe not. I, I will talk to her about that. I enjoyed the movie immensely. I watched both West Side Stories back to back, enjoyed both of them. She's amazing as the sister, the Rita Moreno part. And I, you know, I don't watch, well, who does in the sense that how many are there really? But I was watching these two musicals and I've seen some stage musicals. I enjoy them. I don't seek them out. But when I go, I'm, I'm happy about it. I don't know why I think it's some big uh, secret or some shameful thing to like a musical. You know what I mean? I don't know when I decided that or why. Where do you think that comes from? Can we break it down? Where does that come from? My shame of, of enjoying musicals. But I, as many of you know, I, anytime I watch them, I get choked up just watching people sing, especially in the live, uh, the live ones in, in the theater. But this was great. They were both great. It was very interesting to see them uh, next to each other. I talked to Tony Kushner about it. And now I can talk to uh, Ariana about it. It was nice to have a shiny, young, talented performer sitting here. I was having a rough week and she kind of lit me up just with the energy. Nothing dubious, nothing weird. Just like, oh, look at all the youth and excitement. Everything's ahead of her and she's on top of the fucking world and she's talented and deserves it. How does that not make you feel good? I think it, if it's not the right day, that could make you feel resentful and jealous and old. 
But that that would never be me. Never. It was a rough week when I talked to her. I don't know why. I was just hard on myself all week. I, I guess I should say that I'm, I'm very proud of myself in the sense that there's something going on on stage right now. Whether anyone gives a shit or not, I do. And I know what it is. Like, I'm doing these shows solo, so I'm doing an hour and a half, and it feels like a goddamn play. It, feel, it feels like there's an arc to them. There's an emotional movement that we're, we're going through a lot of different levels of emotion and engagement. All of them pretty funny, but different types of funny. And I can feel it. I can feel the investment. I can feel the years of work. And there's just something about laying in a bed in a Best Western Plus in Laconia, New Hampshire, after performing for an hour and a half plus, putting it out there, putting on a great show, having having driven there from Troy, New York, and I'm just there laying in the bed. And now, at another time, that could seem sort of sad. You know, when you think about a performer on the road, especially driving a rental car in the middle of winter to do gigs and sleeping at, at a mediocre hotel, it could be sad. Or maybe I'm projecting. Maybe you just... I have been at those in those situations in my life where I'm like, well, this is sad. This is where I ended up. But for some reason, I had this wrestling match with myself where it's like, you didn't end up here. This is what you wanted to do. How would it be different? There's no nicer hotel here. That gig was a good gig. There were plenty of people there, 500 plus in the middle of nowhere. This is what you wanted to do. This isn't sad, you alone in a hotel room, worrying about whether or not you're going to beat the storm tomorrow on the way to Burlington after performing for five or 600 people, doing an hour and 40 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it was. You chose this life and you're doing exactly what you want to do. Just because you're alone in a hotel room in Laconia, New Hampshire, in a Best Western Plus, does not mean it's sad. It's, it, you know, I mean, could it be nicer? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not the, that's not the point. I'm not judging it against anything else. But this is the life I've chosen. And this is, this is doing great. Laying in a bed in a Best Western Plus in Laconia, New Hampshire, kind of just eating chocolate and wondering, should I masturbate? Should I not? What are we going to do with this life you've chosen? Laying in a bed in a Best Western Plus in Laconia, New Hampshire. Are you going to do it? Or are you just going to eat the chocolate and have an orange that you bought for the car? You can eat the oranges that you bought for the car and have some nuts? Or you can do everything. You can eat the nuts, eat an orange or two, have a couple pieces of chocolate, and masturbate? Where are you go? What are you going to do with this life you've chosen? In this amazing life you've chosen alone in your hotel room in Laconia, New Hampshire, after doing an hour and 45 minutes for 500 plus people, how do we celebrate? How do we say, I'm free? I'm free. This is the life I've chosen. We do all of them. Now you just got to decide on the order. Okay, Ariana DeBose on the show today. Amazing, shiny, talented, sings, acts and dance, all of it. Great, great movie, that West Side Story. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story, all right? Okay, here's here's the deal. I don't know how many of you listen to my podcast with BJ Novak, okay? It would seem 
that there was a, a, a weirdness between us. And I, I, I will cop to it. And I did cop to it in front of him that there was a slight kind of like jealousy, like how, you know, this guy can, you know, it was sort of like Harvard guy, uh, all the opportunities just came to him, seemingly can do everything with a certain amount of focus, you know, as a children's book writer or a director, an actor, comedian, kind of, not quite a comedian. He did it for a while, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call him a comedian, but uh, writer, you know, all of it, all of it. He does it all does it well made a lot of money successful guy and turns out after listening to the podcast if you listen to us talk nice guy and we uh we kind of hammered it out you know i i i copped to being you know older and slightly bitter and judgmental and and he copped to me uh uh copying to that uh, he copped to that being a, ra- a reality <laughs> and but you know but ultimately it was okay not a bad guy that being said for months it seemed like months there was some uh, AirPod Pros in, in my... Uh, I found them on the floor, these AirPod Pros. And I couldn't identify when. You know, sometimes things get... I don't know. I just found some of my AirPod Pros. I didn't, know who they, I didn't know who they were. And I don't have AirPods. I use a Bluetooth, you know, headset with uh, wires and whatever. Had these AirPods in here for months. Didn't know who they were. Finally, I'm like, how do these even work? It's like, it's like finding an alien. You flip open the thing, a light comes on. I, I had no idea about AirPods. So I opened the AirPods to look at them because I, maybe I should get some. I don't know. And they came up on my phone as Benjamin's AirPods. And I'm like, who the fuck is Benjamin? And I, I asked Brendan, my producer, I'm like, I just, these AirPods that I've had sitting here for what seems like months belong to someone named Benjamin. And he's like, could that be BJ Novak? And I'm like, oh shit, it must be BJ Novak. So now I've got BJ Novak's AirPods and I kind of want to try them out, but I, I'm trying to do the right thing. You know, it doesn't matter if I try them out or not. Right. But so I text BJ, uh, I, I could tell you exactly what I texted. Cause I thought it was, I thought it was, cause I figured, listen to me, he's rich, he's successful. You know, he probably bought another pair, right? You would think he would bought another pair, right? I texted him. Hey, how are you? It's Marin. I've, had these airpods in my studio for a while i didn't know who lost them until i synced them up with my phone yesterday and they're benjamin's airpods you right i assume you've replaced them and i can accept them as a gift or i can give them back to you somehow what would you like to do sir see i kind of i kind of you know i was trying to get him to give them to me and he just said oh that adds up i'm in boston for a few days i'll check in when i'm back and maybe i can swing by and grab them thank you no prob, I said, disappointed, because I thought he had to have gotten some other ones. Why not gift them? Why not gift Mark Marin your used AirPod Pros? And then a few days ago, when I was on the road, he said, uh, possible for you to leave the AirPods outside your door tomorrow discreetly for me or an assistant to pick up? And I said, I'm gone until Sunday. Sorry, have to be after that. He said, no problem. What I didn't say is, oh, you still want those? Because... I'm kind of using them. <laughs> I'm trying them out. I'm trying them out. So on Monday, I texted him back. I said, I'm back. Let me know when someone will come by. I'll stash them somewhere outside if I'm not home. Thank you. And he said, I hope the road is was good. I said, yeah. And I put him outside. I gave him the address, put him in a mug. His assistant came and picked him up. Now, I don't know what exactly I'm copying to, but 
I kind of would like to be around when he syncs up his AirPod Pros to his phone and they come up as Mark's AirPod Pros. I kind of, like, it's just, it's the little things, folks. It's, it's the little things. Will he know? Like, I mean, I did just try them and I cleaned them with alcohol and everything. I mean, I, but like now I'm telling you about it, but I didn't tell him on the text. I didn't say, look, man, I, I used them, but I cleaned them. But none of that matters. I could have told him that. But then like the fun of whatever happened, and I'm assuming something did. Like, it's so stupid. Like, I, I like he's going to feel what? Like, I can't use these anymore. Like, you know, that these are no longer mine. They're, I thought they were my friends, but now they're Mark's friends. It's just a piece of technology. But still, still, I would have liked to have seen any sort of change in expression when he synced them up and they said, Mark's AirPod Pros. Yeah. Okay, so that said, all of that, I went out and bought some, and they're kind of good. They're kind of amazing, I think. So far, so good. Exciting. Everything's got its own little brain. Everything has its own little brain now. West Side Story is now streaming on Disney Plus and HBO Max. It's also available on digital and Blu-ray. And I was uh, excited to talk to Ariana DeBose. And I think we did all right. I think we did all right. Here we are. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. Podcasts are. What'd you get all dressed up for? Um, Me? <laughs> you, of course, you. <laughs> um, I costume changed for you. I was in a pink suit earlier today. What have you been um, doing? I was at the Academy Award nominees luncheon. Oh, they have a a luncheon for the nominees. Congratulations. Thank you. Who was at your table? Um, The president of the Academy. Oh, wow. David Rubin. Yeah. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield was right there. He was he was at the table. Kenneth Branagh was at the table. I talked to that guy. That guy's I mean, I like him. He's chatty. He like well, he's, Brit- he's British. He's very British, and uh, he has a lot to say. He's also very curious, <laughs> and is. I enjoy that. Like a, a he's curious artist, charismatic guy. He is, and he gets right in your face. He go, he'll go. He right, it's right here. I know. <laughs> yeah, a, you know, it's like a, you, you feel like you're watching a Shakespearean one man show. Oh, totally, absolutely. Yeah. It all tracks his body of work. Yeah, the amount of Shakespeare. Yeah, reimaginations yeah. or interpretations he's done it tracks. When we were talking about like his family and stuff, I, I literally felt like I was watching a one person show. It's yeah. just the most intimate theater experience yep. I've ever heard, mm-hmm. I've ever had. I love it. And so, what happens at the luncheon? 
Is it like uh, they're like, uh, we did it. You guys are the ones. (laughs) Well, they do. You know, it was kind of nice because they uh, 100% Mm. acknowledged what was going on in the world, you know, which is nice. Like, Yeah. The world is ending, but we're going to have a party. The world is burning, but welcome to our luncheon. Here's (laughs) your vegan plate. You do the vegan? Um, I'm not vegan, but they were conscious of of people's um, dietary needs. They made everyone eat vegan? No. Yes. I mean, we all ate chickpea something something. You did? Really? Yeah. It wasn't too bad. Okay. Um, But it was was actually really lovely because it it took into account all of the things. There are many, many problems in the world, but, uh, you know, they emphasized the need for art and good art that changes hearts and minds, and I appreciated that. And also... I don't know. I think of, I think about legacy a lot. Yeah, and you know there is a legacy with the academy, and the legacy is changing and shifting and growing. And huh. it was n- sort of nice to see that talked about and to like be how? included in it. Oh yeah, you know it's like, like, like well like, it wasn't that look long. all different kinds of people are here now. Well, all different types of artists. Yeah. it's like when's the last time you had you know a film like Coda yeah. being shown love like this? Sure, this is sure. A film full of deaf actors. Yeah. There's the hearing community and the non-hearing community, and yeah. we. It's very rare that we explore that yeah. community um, or that type of work. The Sound of Metal, I believe, was the last time. That was last year. Last year, yeah. Riz Ahmed was incredible, but yeah. it's like the it's it feels yeah. like it's becoming more inclusive. Yeah, I, and, and so. only if we could just make the rest of the country go that direction well we're, we're trying to lead by example it's like a- yeah. attempting yeah. you know Hollywood's doing a great job at integrating everybody into fiction now if we can now we just gotta do, do it, it in real life how about that that'd yeah. be awesome yeah. guys maybe maybe it'll bleed over bless so legacy though you think about legacy you think I do about- a little bit like what do you what do you want to leave behind? What do you what do you hope people remember you for? Yeah. It's like well, there there's two schools of thought there. Yeah. There's like what I think I'm doing yeah. and like what I think I'm putting out in right. the world and then what's actually happening. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um How are you handling all this? This is like sort of one of these things where you, you know, do you feel ready for what's happening? Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> There's no version of the world where you're actually. I mean, you're ready like a you're like a Broadway musical person. Yeah. And now you're like Oscar nominated actress. Yeah, it's stressful, man. Like it's cool. Do not get me wrong. Like this is an embarrassment of riches kind of sure. moment. You know. Sure. Um, but is it like is it what you set out to do? I mean, uh-oh. do you th- you know what I mean? I mean, because like the life of a Broadway person is a much different life yes. than whatever you're doing out here. Yes, you right? are correct. You are very and correct. And you were dug in there. Absolutely. I was, I'm, I mean, and to a point, I'm still entrenched in in what that is. I yeah. actually, I miss it. Yeah. Um, I, I miss the I have the to assume you miss it. To, be, yeah. to rehearse for weeks and weeks and then get on stage and do a and thing. And do a thing and as, do it eight times a week and love the thing right. so much. As opposed and, to like spend three weeks doing one dance number. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's a different kind of stamina. I've yeah. come to like both schools or both types of work. Yeah. Both genres. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. However you want to talk about that. But I, I've, I enjoy both. I... There's a comfort in knowing when you're working in the theater yeah. that there's going to be a downbeat and then however many minutes or hours later, yeah. it's going to end. Right. This making movies thing that I'm doing, yeah. it's like you work really hard for, you know, four months or so and that's it. Yeah. 
And once you shoot a scene, it's done. You're yeah. not getting a chance to fix it. So I hope you were really good. Right. And also, like, it seems to me like, and, and I always project this because I've done some work in, in, you know, movies and television. But, you know, once you leave the set, mm-hmm. you know, you have a great time and you can say bye to your friends. But that's it, man. Yeah. Like, it, presumably, you may never work with these people again. Yeah. Or even hang, or even hang out or, or even talk hang to out. them. But it's very intense when you're doing it. Yes. But I feel like with, with Broadway, everybody, it, there's a, a, a community there that actually socializes. We we do oh my god we go hard are you kidding some of the greatest parties are broadway parties right um but and it's it's also part of lifestyles like you, i remember playing donna summer and it that was a 90 minute show yeah. really but then i walked my happy little ass over to bomb 45 every right. night and yeah. had my little cocktail to wind down and, and other people come people. other people come from other shows that's the thing you hear man. about mishaps there's and always stuff. other shows and, yeah. and other people and you're like yeah i'll come over and do that totally. thing and it's a new york thing or too, like right? saturday night on broadway yeah. in, in new york city for right. the broadway community is a thing and each uh uh each show will yeah. host every once in a while so like we'd have a big donna summer party and right. then like the dear evan hansen crew would host at their theater right so if I don't know. It's we we you're able to do community building yeah, really. activities. I think it's so. important and right. it's cool. It doesn't really happen with the without like this out here. You it's know, a di- Everyone, it's a different thing. And there's definitely like a class strata out here. You know, people go to their house on the hill, and then some of us go to our house in Glendale. And, <laughs> well, I think <laughs> it's not poverty here, but you know what I mean. No, it's I mean it's a different thing all yeah. around. I was yeah. like, what I can say is like observing that and also being in a different position now yeah. it's like i i am be- beginning to understand why why people in certain positions live in their yeah, house on yeah, the hill yeah yeah oh for sure you know but it was dancing right yeah i started dancing when i was three but like for real dancing when you're I mean, three well no where like were you where'd you grow jazz. up i was born in wilmington north yeah, carolina north carolina yeah and my grandmother my mom um put me in dance class when I was three yeah. and I really took to it and like I knew even then that yeah. like I loved it and yeah. I also realized ooh you're competitive were like, you watching dance um or did you just like it no like, I, it was just something about it like I loved doing it yeah, yeah. and then once they discovered I loved doing it they started to show me like okay. movie musicals yeah um, but like, if you ask my Nana, she'd be like, oh God, I watched Beauty and the Beast more times than I care to count or Aladdin. Like yeah, I yeah. was really into the animated. Sure. But they're not dancing again. too much. Are no, they? but I will tell you, I yeah. will say if you look at how those animated f- films are crafted, yeah. they are, they, if they're full blown musicals sure, and of course. some of those characters do dance, yeah, you yeah. just don't realize it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm old, so I remember Jungle Book. That was a good one. Look for the bear. Right, and they're just kind of shuffling around, shuffling around. So it was great. I loved that film. Yeah. But like I really started dancing, like taking it super seriously when I, we moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a good town. Progressive town. Progressive town. Yeah, yeah. I like the Blue City idea. Oh, yeah. Just terrified progressives. (laughs) It's it's fine. We're surrounded by by their different way of life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but it w- I, it was fortunate that I moved when I did because Raleigh was incredibly supportive of the arts yep, at the time. For sure, um, you know yep. their politics were yeah, even more blue. Sure, but how old uh, were you when you moved there? 
I was starting ele- um, elementary school. That is a bold-faced lie. I was starting middle school, right. so I was going to sixth grade, which I'm assuming makes me 12 or 13. And what, now, what's the, what's the background? What's your folks do? Where, where do they Well, I didn't grow from? up with my dad. I grew up oh. with, uh, he was not a part of my life. But ever? Ever. Now? Ever. Nope. Hmm. Mm. Never sought him out? No. Not I just ne- I never felt the need. Huh. Um. I was like, people make their choices around. Sure, parenting. I mean, I've I've talked yeah. to people that goes either way. You know, yeah. like, do you know that if he's come out to find you? Yeah. Uh, no. No, you don't. No. Okay. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, my childhood really was wonderful. My mom is this incredibly strong-willed. Yeah. What'd she do? Uh, she is a public school teacher. That takes it. That mm-hmm. takes a, <laughs> yep. a strong will. Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. She, and she teaches eighth grade, which really wow. takes a strong will. Yeah. Um, In Raleigh? Wild. She does. She she teaches at Wakefield Middle. Still? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's great. Like she is, and she's one of the greatest educators I've ever seen in action. Sure. But when I when we, when we moved to uh, Raleigh, yeah. she ta- we I went to the school that she taught at. So that was an interesting experience. Um, so you're there the was, teacher's kid. Yep. There was no getting away with anything. I bet. And then did, what about other kids? Are just sort of like, did they uh, resent you? Or? Uh, yes and <laughs> no and yes, uh, or maybe just yes and yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean. I was, uh, I actually don't know how to describe myself in those early years because I, I was either for you or I wasn't like, I think I was that artsy kid. So like this I, is eighth grade-ish? Yeah. Eighth grade-ish. Like I, I, I loved the arts. I yeah. wanted to go to dance class. I liked gym. It was yeah. fine, but yeah, I was probably a fairly moody kid. Art nerd? Mm, yeah. Did you do start doing theater then? No, I got into theater in high school. Okay. But in was, eighth grade, you were dancing but, still. Yeah, dancing. Yeah. I was in the concert band. Yeah. I played the heck out of a clarinet, I tell you that. Really? I was pretty good. Can you do it now? Nope. Gone. It's really sad. But I do remember some of my theory, a little bit of my music, music theory, theory, which has come in yeah. handy. Has it? Being Yeah, being a vocalist and an artist, I can, you know, make my way through sheet music. Yeah. And, you know, and odd, oddly enough, I have been in rooms where uh, people who do what I do can't. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting to me. So what was the theater experience like in, in high school? I was focused on being a great dancer. Yeah. And I'd been in high, school. In high school. And I'd been taking- What does that look like, though? Are you doing competitions? Yeah. That's what I was getting to. Okay. Yeah. I was a, a studio dancer. I okay. was a competitive studio dancer. So like, yeah, you watch Dance Moms. I was doing that. Yeah. But my mom was not a dance mom. Not at all. Right. But we traveled up and down the East Coast going to like- She would take you? Yeah. It's me and my mom driving uh-huh. in a car. Sometimes we'd carpool with other like single parent families. Yeah. Um, which was great because we created a sense of community for yeah. ourselves. But we went to convention competitions that were really cool because you could take class all day as yeah. a student and lots of different styles of dance and then compete at night doing the routines that you would work so on. So it was like a whole studio. weekend thing. Whole weekend. With and a bunch of other kids. Which a bunch of from all over I won't say the country, but yeah. like really the East Coast. And so a lot of my friends that I really connected with were from different states. Right. Um, but it was it was great because that's, it sort of was like a precursor to my adulthood. I have friends all over. And the world? Now, yeah, now yeah. I have friends all over the world. <laughs> and it's lovely. Yeah. Um, but that was 
a really formative time because I was meeting so many people, especially choreographers that I would come to work with later. And so I who were doing like you know like like so you think clinics for kids? Yeah, clinics for kids or or a lot of them were are choreographing on so you think you can dance for okay. the Fox television right. show. And that oh and that how old were you when you did that? I was 18. So what is going on in the personal life? You're running around from town to town. Are you just dancing all day? Are you like are you well, driving I mean, yourself in... crazy? Well, I didn't view it that way. I mean, are I mean, you I was like a super like, dedicated? Right. So, like, just working the hell out of everything. Yeah. Well, yes, I was. I mean, I took all of my academic classes in high school, but I was in every arts class known to man. I was yeah. like, I was vice president of the chorus club. I was helping to like, you know, oh my spearhead god, the dance, the dance department. I was in the concert band at one point. I was in the marching band, and then I became a choreographer for the color guard. Um, really? Yeah, but I spun rifle. I was actually really good in the color guard. I loved it. I loved that. Um, I don't know that culture. Color the guard regiment. Culture, the regiment. It's fire. Uh, yeah. You can't tell me anything when that drum like goes brat brat. It is everything. Yeah. It makes such a big yeah. difference in a football stadium. I'm telling you, get I yourself saw, a marching band. I I saw like David Byrne did something with the color. Yes, and I so good. I interviewed him around that, and it was and I was watching that stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's a whole culture it's a whole culture and does it, but it go, teaches does you it, discipline exactly like it's almost military in a way a it's bit. Like, but i mean is it a culture that goes into adulthood i don't know it seems like it's you one of those... you age out you do age out <laughs> you mean um, there's no like 40 year olds like i'm still doing color guard i'm not doubt it they yeah. should they might be teaching yeah the color right, right. Um, so yeah. now what do you what kind of dance are you focusing on what is it like see i have a hard time like until i i kind of think about you like you know in terms of like what is the future of a dancer when you when you're a kid and you're like i'm going to be a dancer how does one make a living it seems like there's two ways right well like either you dance in in one kind of show or you dance in another kind of show (laughs) yeah well i mean that was what my mother was sort of looking at with me because she was like are you sure you want to be a dancer and i'm like yes yeah it's the only thing i want to do and at the time it was like you go to la and like dance in the Los Angeles Hollywood community and Which, be a like, backup dancer. Okay, so what are, what are the gigs for that really? I mean, like I when mean, somebody well, goes on the road, I guess these concerts. You go now on the road if you book with if you book Madonna with an or Gaga exactly. or J Lo or whoever. You become one of their dancers, and then now we well huh. in the last however many years. Yeah. Different artists are now having Vegas shows. So Celine Dion had her Vegas show. You could get a job as a dancer. And that could go on for a year. A year, two years, depending on how long they keep their residency and how long they want to contract you for. Um, So that was sort of it, the life. mm -hmm, You go gig to gig to gig. You could do music videos, but that's it. it, And that must be competitive as hell. Oh, incredibly. Incredibly. I mean, I won't. I mean, it's sort of dog eat dog. Yeah. At this point, it still is. I've to a point, it always has been. Yeah. But you could choose that path, or you could go to New York City and become a dancer in a Broadway show. Right. Essentially, that's really what's available to you there, unless there's dance work available to you on a te- television show, or if they're making a film. It, but it seems like like it's, it's a- limited, unless you want to be a contemporary dancer in a company. 
yeah. or a ballet dancer again in a company. But it's that like, must it can't be... be limited. That's a different way of life. One I know nothing about, to be honest. Well, I mean, because um, like it seems like when you're you're supporting a show, like you know, a dance yeah, it's a background dancer. It's like you got a guy. It's like oh, we're all going to do, and you got a thing going. Yeah. But like I would imagine if you're working with Twyla Tharp or or, or the Alvin Ailey bunch, mm-hmm. they're going to like you know twist you and do like you don't even know what's going to happen. You're going to yeah, push I, your personal limits in a different way. You do. I I would agree with that statement. What they do is. I mean, especially when when I think about you know yeah. anyone who has danced for Ailey and Twyla, yeah, it's its own counterculture, right? And it's small. It's right? small because not not everyone can do that. What yeah. they do, it's so specific and specialized, and it takes a different kind of different uh, discipline, a different kind of maintenance yeah. on your body. Um, people don't realize that as dancers, it's like yes, it's very magical what you get to see us do on stage, but in order to be able to do that for you. Um, as an audience, it takes a lot of maintenance on our body and self-care. And when injury happens, if it happens to a certain degree, it is crushing. It is career killing. The end. It's the end. And so you have to, I always try to tell young people, if you love this, you got to really love it. Yeah. Because one thing could happen, it could take take it away from you. So you're like an athlete. There. You are, you're an athlete. And again, I don't think the industry acknowledges that. Yeah. Dancers are athletes. Yeah. And they don't compensate dancers for in that way. In fact, typically we're relegated to the background and asked to be, yeah. um, asked to volunteer our services. Um, that happens frequently. Like, what do you um, mean? Free? Yeah, free. They will for ask what? dancers to work for free for music videos. No kidding. Artists, there are artists today still doing still doing that, or saying I will pay you X, but yeah. then it takes five months to receive said payment. Like I kid you not, my, the biggest thing I've noticed from you know go working on Broadway to now doing what I'm doing, yeah, is from in juxtaposition yeah. from what my colleagues in the dance world are doing. Yeah, as a member of. A union. I am guaranteed payment after a certain after a certain amount of time. Yeah. I don't have to wait. There yeah. are some dancers who are doing gigs who, like a year later, are still waiting on their check. Yeah, that's like uh, just, and there's uh, no accountability. Bad actors in all. I mean, bad, <laughs> it's a bummer. Uh, with like club owners, it's the same kind of thing. It's like yeah. whoever's running the thing, and they always have an excuse, like, "Well, we didn't get the well, money from the get, guy," yeah. and you know, it, there's always the an producer's excuse. got a problem, or if, even just down to like safety. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like. Nobody's looking Scary. out for your dancers. And, but, the, so. but the odd thing is, like, you, I start to realize is, when I was talk, when talking to you now, but thinking about it, it's like, the, it, it's out of all the disciplines of art, it's it's a smaller community. It is. Because the jobs are what they are, mm-hmm. you know? And I imagine these people that aren't getting paid, there's got to be this whole other world of, you know, B-level productions mm. that people are working their asses for that don't really get seen except on maybe a community level or regional yeah. theater level and all that stuff. No, it's 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 interesting because it's like there's great regional work to be had as, of course. as an actor, of course. But it's... But just beating it out. Beating it out. It, well, and gosh, someone said it to me recently yeah. and they were famous, but they were like, yeah. it's not about like the big famous jobs that you get, like being here in this industry, it's yeah. just about outlasting everyone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I get that on a visceral level. Outlasting in one way or the other. In one way or the other. <laughs> right. So so uh, you do the, the Fox show. Yep. And that was a big break? I don't know if I'd call it a big break, but it definitely, um, it redirected me to New York. Yeah. Um, and that was the, it was my first big brush with rejection. 
you know, I was on season six of So You Think You Can Dance, and I was their first and only fall season ever. Mm. And I made the top twenty, and then I was sent home the first week of competition, and. My God, what a bruise to the baby, baby ego. How old? 18? 18 years old. And I was voted off in front of 6 million people. Uh, but mind you, yeah. the ratings on ABC's like yeah. Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin were yeah. higher than that particular <laughs> so, night's viewership. So maybe not 6 million. <laughs> no, it was definitely 6 million. Oh, but like p- 10 million people were watching Charlie oh, Brown okay. and the Great Pumpkin. You right. see what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it was still tough because I was... 18 and I didn't fully understand what I got myself into if I'm honest I thought it was just really about dance and the craft yeah. and it's still a television show and so now when so you weren't really thinking in terms of the business no yeah why would you because at 18 years do, old why, why would I, you I, I don't know like I like some people are surprisingly uh, together and ambitious at and have 18. a plan I didn't I wasn't one of those you folks. just wanted to be a dancer uh, correct yeah I was my naivete was really showing through on that one but, but but it's natural though. I mean, maybe you're a purist. I mean, it's sort of yeah. paid off. I mean, I imagine it that worked out. Right, but I imagine a lot of people that do that. That's the last thing they do in dance. Well, some of some of them, yeah. Like you know, they did what they did, and it's like okay. And their parents are like, so you got that out of your that's system. So great. Now, what's your real job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's your real job? And you didn't have to deal with that. Well, no, no, yeah. I didn't. But I always had a really. I've always had a really strong sense of self, yeah. and you know, my mother when I really you seem like to have it. You've always had it, yeah, always. And huh. I know I think I'm an alien or something, huh. but it's always been there. That's a good parent. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Yeah, um, I told you. Yeah, Gina Debose, she's yeah. a badass. Um, but she said when I moved to New York, she was like, "Well, I don't have any money to give you. Yeah, you have what you have. Right, but you can always come home." And I was like, "I love you so much. I will not be doing that." <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I didn't. And so you went to New York after you lost on the show. Yeah. Well, I by way of Cullowhee, North Carolina, I attended Western Carolina University for about a month and a half. Not for you. No, it was not. What happened? Um, I just I had already had that like semi professional taste of work. Yeah. And I was like, I can do it. I should. What's go going do on it. in your personal life at this point? What personal life? Nothing. Nothing. I was just like, dance. Dan- oh, totally Ambition. dedicated. Yes. Competition. I know. You know, it's funny you bring up that little word, ambition. Mm. Um, I used, I remember, God, this is, I'm going to go there. Yeah. I remember watching Devil Wears Prada oh, in the, the theater. It's a freaking great movie. I watched that movie so many times. See? It's like a good rewatch. It totally. But I remember f- seeing it and I left that theater crying because I was like, ooh, am I too ambitious? Hmm. And it was like, I felt so checked by that film because I was like, oh, you're watching Miranda Priestly, you're watching Andy Sachs, uh-huh. two women in different positions in an industry, but they both have ambition. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's not, it wasn't a movie about the perils of ambition, but it was just like, what are you going to stand for? What are you going right, to exactly. for? Right, like, exactly. I recently, I, I, I wrote it down. I said, uh, because I know people, I said, mm-hmm. ambition is not a point of view. No, it is not. That is very profound sir thank you yeah because a lot of people have it and, and it is you know rewarded mm-hmm. and and it is taught almost that's i mean that's what you know motivational speakers do yeah but but you can have that and be very annoying yes <laughs> yes if that's all you're working with i i think so and so yeah how did you check yourself a... though like what did you have to like you know question yourself what what uh, in terms of uh, your authenticity or what well, I mean, I was young. I was still in high sure. school when I saw okay. that movie. But it was very, um, that was around the time that 
I had realized I had really achieved a certain amount of success where I was as yeah. far as my dancing was yeah. concerned. There were no, I didn't feel like there were any more challenges to be had. Okay. So that's when I really dug into theater. Okay. So I checked myself by putting putting myself in a circumstance that I actually was not the best person in the room. I was not very good and when where I first was this? started. This was in North Carolina. Okay. At it was the, in high school. Okay. All right. And I ended up following the path of the environment where I was not the best in the room. Yeah. And it, I've been all the better for it. And that continued even when I left So You Think You Can Dance and, a, and it took me to Cullowee. I went uh, as a... A student in their uh, musical theater program yeah. at the time. Again, yeah. great dancer, not good at the other disciplines. Yeah. I really had to work hard, but I still was like, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to dance. I'm yeah. going to go to New York. So I did. Yeah. And I auditioned for everything, but it took me a minute. It, I was not an overnight success. What happened? What facilitated it? Who, you know, sort of. Who? Well, I don't know who. I was just like, I'm miserable and I got to go. Right. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Um, but. But what happened? Well, the day I got there, yeah, I landed in New York, and I actually had a I had a sprained ankle, yeah, and I wrapped that foot up, yeah. shoved it in a yeah. Nike, and went yeah. to audition for a stint in One Life to Live, Star Cross Lovers series, yeah, their musicalized episodes, yeah, and I booked it. I don't recommend everybody doing that because, yeah. like, safety first. Sure. But I got the job, but I had to wait for, like, a month and a half for the job to start. That's good because your ankle got better. Correct. Right. So I was sleeping on my friend's couch yeah. and, like, you know, rationing my food and getting up at 5 a.m. <laughs> to yeah. go stand in the non-equity yeah. and the equity line right. to try and audition. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot of that over yeah. and over and over again. And my mentors, Terry and Charlotte... Uh, Charlotte D'Amboise, who is an incredible triple threat in her own right. Um, you would know her, Roxy Hart in Chicago, one of the greatest yeah, charity sure. Hope yeah, Valentines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are big Broadway charity. people. Broadway people. Terrence Mann, you would, you may know him right now from Foundation on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, so where did they, like, how did you meet with them? How did that happen? I went to theater camp. They, they run a theater camp. <laughs> yeah. When was this? After, <laughs> when did you... Uh, I was in high school. A lot of stuff happened when I was in high school. Theater camp. Theater camp. And so, I, that's where I met them. And they were like, if you ever come to New York, let us know. Okay. So like all this is uh, in high school, you, you start exploring theater because, yeah. you know, just dancing might just be a, a life of competitions and disappointment. <laughs> and you want to broaden yourself. You broaden your broaden possibility. Right. Your higher horizons. And then you, you kind of crap out at college. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. And then you decide just to go to New York, and you're like, I'm going to call Terry and... Uh, Terry and Charlotte. <laughs> and they said I could check in, And right? they said I could check in. And honestly, I didn't check in until like a m month or two after I got there. Yeah. Just because I was like, let me try and do this But, but you got the gig with the broken ankle before you called them? I did. Okay. I wanted to have something to show for sure, myself. Sure, sure. Um, it all, I don't know, it all worked out pretty well. Eventually, I booked Bring It On The Musical, which... Like it was an opportunity to learn how to make a musical because yeah. it wasn't immediately going to Broadway. We were developing. So it's workshopping. It was workshopping, and then we did an out of town try it try out in Atlanta, Georgia. So this yeah. is all kind of new, like that. You know, learning how that business works. Yes, right. I, I so I mean, it was really quite extraordinary yeah. because I was instead of going to college to learn how to do it, yeah. I just I booked a job and they taught me in real time how That's to make it. That's the best way. I agree. Yeah, honestly. Um, but it was a great opportunity. It was Andy Blankenbuehler, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Tom Kitt, 
Jeff Witte and Amanda Green and uh, many of those folks I've gone on to continue to work with. I, I think mean, you were in Hamilton when I saw it. Uh, you, what? Yeah. Really? I think so. No way. I can't remember when I saw it, but Lynn was still in it. Yeah, I was in it if Lynn was in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was great because he <laughs> he's, he was a fan of my show and he gave me the good seats. Amazing. You know? And I, you know, at the end of every uh, podcast, I say Boomer Lives, you know. Boomer Lives. It's my old cat. Uh-huh. But, uh, but it was funny because he knew exactly where I was sitting. So at the curtain call, he looks right at me. He goes, Boomer. I I saw him earlier today. You did? I love him for that. How's he doing? He's good. He's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. He's very generous with his um his spirit and his energy. And he is. if he he doesn't say things he doesn't mean, and I do enjoy that about him. So you're working with all these people on workshopping this musical, yeah. learning the game, yeah. and that and that how how does that musical do? I'm not I don't know about Broadway musicals that much. How did it do? The bring it, did, it on. It did pretty. It did pretty well. I mean, honestly, yeah. If you know anything about the Broadway industry, if you run for six months, due respect, it's a bona fide hit. Yeah. If you run run nine months, yeah. Wow, you really got something on your hands. And if yeah. you run for a year, well, then I'm going to throw statues at you. So. Yeah. So this was your life it was my life you yeah. you, you were like i'm i did it here i am it, yeah. i'm a broadway I'm a, person yep and you do all these shows mm-hmm. i motown the musical yeah very different from bringing on and then i yeah. went into pippin yep and then i went into hamilton and uh that was so each time are you learning new things yes yes every every show i do is how's different. the singing coming um, when did you start? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I I got to New York and realized I needed to be a better vocalist. So sure. I've trained the entire time. Yeah? Um, yeah. I mean, in Bring It On, I had some lovely little solos, which sure. was lovely. And then I had to figure out how to sing Diana Ross tunes. So you work with a uh, coach? I did work with I've worked with a couple different coaches over the years. Yeah? Yeah. Um, Matt Farnsworth yep. is my current my current go to. Um, and how does that work? You call them and you hope that they'll take you. <laughs> but what do you do in a coach section? Like I've gotten to one vocal training thing who just taught me how to like breathe, uh, yeah, breathe and, mm, and find my humming, my own thing. Your larynx, yeah, whatever and all it that is. Like, singing with makes, your it's diaphragm. very moving to me. Yeah, you know, yeah, but I I don't I don't. It's like uh, I'm like um, a closeted musical person. Okay. In the sense that, like, I always like them. I don't seek them out. And I like to sing, but it scares me because it okay. makes me very emotional. So I kind of, like, I don't embrace it okay. as much as I used to. Are you afraid of your emotions? Not too much afraid of them. I'm afraid of failing as a singer. <laughs> it's all right. I was too. I got over it. But I, t- but I like what? watching people sing. It's enjoy. What's enjoyable? You're watching someone go on a journey. Mostly it- musicals. Yeah. 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 I, um... You want to know something? Mm-hmm. I got better at yeah. being a singer yeah. by going to a bunch of clubs late at night yeah. and getting up and try trying to sing songs. Yeah, and you know what? Like karaoke a, or just like no, with friends? like like no, I'd go cabaret. Cabaret. Okay, I go to different okay. cabarets, and quite frankly, there's a lot of really bad YouTube vid- videos of you that exist that? <laughs> of me getting up and yeah. trying and sometimes failing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you just got to do that. You do. I yeah. I do. I think you should. If you want to do something, just I, I, go up there and try it. I've been singing in public with, with you know, like cover songs and stuff. See? And like I did it at this place where, you know, where I was comfortable with the audience. And I just, you know, I couldn't hit this one note. And I That's knew. Okay. Yeah. But I stopped and I said, I'm going to do it again. Yes. 
And you know what? Did they clap? Sure, because they should have. They eat that shit yeah, up. It's a vulnerability to that. 100. Yeah, 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. authentic. Yeah. And honestly, some of my favorite vocalists are the ones that you're like, are they going to make it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is 100% respectful, but Adina Menzel, yeah. incredible vocalist. But yeah. there are some performers, I've watched her, and I'm so in it with her. And then I'm like, ooh, she going to hit the note? She going to hit the note? And yeah. then she hits the note, and you're like, yeah! I know, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah so, there's an anticipation to it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, that's it. It's like, it's like athletics. <laughs> you know, she's going to nail it. Yes. So how does the the opportunity to do this West Side Story come in? How familiar were you with the musical? I, I mean, what was it? But before, wait, but before we do that, like, what was the Donna Summer thing? <laughs> mm. Like, that was a big deal? Huge deal. I booked a Bronx Tale the Musical and the Donna Summer Musical kind of at the same time. And it was around Tony weekend for Hamilton. Okay. I, and that's kind of unheard of to book like two in one. Yeah. So those two musicals were yeah. produced by the same people. Yeah. And I don't know why they decided this was a good idea. Yeah. But they saw me in Hamilton and said, let's bring her in and see what she can do. Right. And I ended up getting to play Jane in A Bronx Tale, directed by Jerry Zaks and Robert De Niro. And then in the same breath, they were like, great, and also would you like to play Disco Donna Summer? Um, And then it was about her life. There was many Donna Summers. There were three. Yeah. So different Donna for different time periods of her life. Yeah. Um, I played Donna at the height of her musical powers, which was intimidating. So I had to go out there and confidently sing MacArthur Park and Hot Stuff and... What other one? Baby, please. I am yours forevermore. Yeah. That one. Heaven knows. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But it it was a real challenge for me because that that show forced me to come into my own as a vocalist. Right. And I never tried to, em, like, I was not trying to impersonate Donna Summer because right. why would you do that? That's a terrible idea, in my opinion. I think I think that's sort of the going thing to, that's the, the going wisdom on that. that yeah, like, you don't. Know, because then it's just sort of, uh, you can't mimic, really. Yeah, I, I just didn't see the point. You gotta get the vibe. The vibe, you're looking for the essence. Yes. And so that... That's what I tried to do. And sure, I found some like she made very specific vowels when she was singing, you know, oh, no. And they all have this timbre. And nobody sings like that anymore, to be perfectly honest. Why is it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they can't. How is that not Question coming mark? back? How is disco not coming back? How is that? Wait, I guess it's just integrated. Should I bring it's it all back? under there. Yeah. I think it should try. I think it's time. Okay. Seems like well, I mean kind of like Silk Sonic, they kind of they're getting close. They're, they're getting Okay. Right? I actually don't know who you're talking about. It's uh, Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars did a thing called Silk Sonic. And it's I like love it's Bruno. Oh, it's great. It's sort of like later Motowny kind yes. of vibe, like seventies stuff. Oh, lots of trumpets, like I think so. Trumpet work. Oh my god! It, it's just like there's a groove to it that that is it. almost approaching disco. You got to get the record. I You'll will. Like it. I will. Yeah. You will find that I am an odd millennial, and I don't actually understand many pop culture references. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't know I don't any. Get it. I'm an old man. Oh, I'm just yeah. saying that the, it's just a project the two of them are doing together. I love that. Though. And they're both kind of like weirdly, you know, uh, they they're interesting talents. You know. Yeah. So you're doing Donna Summer. Yeah. And and everyone has to reckon with you as a vocalist. You've arrived. This this woman can sing. Something like that. Well, I'll go with your version of the world <laughs> on that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it. I became a Tony nominee. I'm a Tony nominated actress for that performance, and I'm really proud of it because I. 
um, you know, with the help of like Sergio Trujillo, who was our choreographer, I was yeah. able to turn this version of the character yeah. into one that actually was a triple threat role. Right. You know, someone, a character who uses dance to express how she's Triple feeling. threat means dance, act, and sing? And sing okay. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that and that was a really it's a rare opportunity because on Broadway, even to this day, yeah. they're not really making roles like that. So it was cool to Interesting. To what are they create. doing then? Like what do you mean? Either well, you're dancing or you're talking or you're singing? No, there's I mean, everything is cyclical. At one right. point people were really riding for quote unquote triple threats. Right. Um, and then it sort of shifted and it began to favor what I call the park and bark. The stand and sing. You come out, <laughs> yeah. you do your you do your scenes, and then you sing really, really well. And then and you, you move? impress everyone. And no, you don't move. You okay. you walk off the stage. You take your bow and you go. So home. the singer doesn't do any of the dancing. Nope, not a single kickball change. And, but that was a choice. It yeah, it a trend. A it was a happened? trend. I think huh. I I in my professional opinion so, would call so, it a trend. So the evolution then, you know, just in, in the short time you've been alive, you know, once you sort of all of a sudden learn the mechanics of how musicals are built, yes. and then you learn, you know, sort of like what are the positions one has in musicals, and then, you know, you get these, the goal seems to me to be, was at some point to be a triple threat, confidently. Yeah. Always been. It's always yeah. been the goal. I yeah. mean, once I came to, uh, once I got to New York and realized, oh, there's a space here yeah. and that I actually have I'm the capability. I'm capable of doing this. Yeah. That did become my goal. I wanted to be someone, an artist who did all three disciplines really well at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so, so Donna Summer just happened to happen happened, to bring yeah. it together. Exactly. And now what's mom doing all, during all this time? Mom's teaching. But is she like and crazy And coming to all my and... opening night parties. Mm. Like she's always my date for things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she's very much like, "Cool, how'd that go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who'd you meet? Yeah. Oh, well, be careful what you say. Like, remember, you have to like uh-huh. say it in a way that you can be heard, right. but also be firm because <laughs> we don't let people walk all over us." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Yes, mom, you're yeah. correct." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so everything's going on. You're Tony nominated now. How does how does this thing happen? How does it happen that you get this opportunity to do, you know, Anita? Um. Cindy Tolan, our incredible the casting, casting director. Yeah, casting yeah. director, yeah. Um, open-minded queen that she is. Yeah. She'd seen me in Donna Summer yeah. and had apparently, I just figured this out, had been asking me to come in for West Side Story. And I had told my agent at the time that I needed to focus on keeping my show going. I needed to show up and lead my show, so I'm not going to audition. Donna Summer. So I was like, no, I need to be Donna Summer so right funny. now. So you're dug in. You're like, I'm Broadway person. I'm doing Broadway. It's real interesting, the movie thing, but we're, you know, <laughs> well, we do the real but thing. I'm doing, I'm doing this Broadway thing right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then finally uh, they called and were like, can you come to Brooklyn the next day? And I was like, oh, well, fine. I guess I'll go. <laughs> and now I can't believe that that was my, like. Approach to Did that. Did they send moment. you a car? Did you take the train? Absolutely not. I took the train. <laughs> yeah. I lived in Harlem at the time. I yeah. had to go to Brooklyn. And if you know anything about geography, yeah. that's quite a, a train ride. Yeah. It's a schlep. Yeah. Um, but I got there and I went and dag nabbit if Steven Spielberg wasn't there that he was day. There. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't know that. And I had told Cindy the night before that. You didn't know it going in, but you nope. knew it when you got there. When I got there and walked into the room and he his lovely, charming Steven Spielberg face was there. Was, was Kushner like, there? You? Yes. My hero. Yeah. They were both in the room. So yes. that must have been like, you just been like, what? Oh, if anyone <laughs> has learned anything about me is yeah. that I 
am a shockingly anxious artist. And so Ariana said, yeah, what are you going to do here? Yeah. I told Cindy that I wasn't going to read for tomorrow that day. Yeah. I was like, I'll come and I'll sing and I'll dance. But yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do the sides because I'm not prepared. I couldn't possibly be ready in time. Now, for a musical, is there like, I guess it wouldn't be on the first audition, but there's no sort of like five, six, seven, eighting. Oh, of course. There is. Oh, yes. I walked right in and they said, great, come into this room and learn the choreography. Justin Peck is going to teach it to you. And huh. it's, it's like whole chunks of choreography. And thank God I speak On the first dance. day. Yeah, I speak dance better than I speak English. So I yeah. had that part. Yeah. Um, and the singing I knew because it's it's Stephen Sondheim's lyrics. Sure. It's the Bernstein score. I was you know well aware. I got yeah. that stuff. It was the sides that got me because Tony said, I'm going to adapt the hell out of this script. He definitely did. Yeah. And and he did. Yeah. And the, the sides, which actually are not in our film, but what we were auditioning with, incredibly wordy, a lot of substance. And I was like, this isn't something that you walk in and you paraphrase or yeah, you yeah. make it up or you put thought into this. Sure, sure. Um, we, so you're intimidated by it. Oh, totally. I was intimidated by the material. But you have not done that kind of acting before, really. Not really. Mm. No. And I, I also was like, this is not for nothing. It yeah. is a great opportunity to be seen for something different, uh -huh. um, even though it's a musical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you get to have real acting jobs and show yeah. that you have the capacity yeah. to do this. So. Yeah. So how did you pull that together? Well, we got to the moment where he was like, great, can you stay and read for us? And I yeah. said, no, sir. <laughs> it was Spielberg? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To his face. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he looked at me like I had killed a puppy or something. And then C Cindy Tolan. Yeah. Rushed in and was like, remember, we spoke about Ariana. She's starring in a Broadway show. Yeah. We got to her last night. She's just asking for a few more days to be yeah. prepared. Right. And thank God he was able to hear me. And he looked at me and he said, you're not going to read today. And I said, nope. And he was like, but you'll come back. And I was like, I really would be honored. That's kind of like a big risk, huh? Oh, balls. <laughs> Cajones, <laughs> like, because like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, if, if I was an actor, you'd be like, sure, I'll, I'll give it a try, I'll give it a go, yeah, let's, yeah, but you just didn't want to fuck it up. No, I didn't. I really didn't. And it's not every. And no. you had enough confidence in your dancing yes. and everything else. You knew that, you know. Well, it's interesting. Someone Kenneth Branagh said to me today, and I'll never forget. Yeah. It, he was like, I loved watching your performance because you you doesn't feel arrogant yeah it felt like you just you had a confidence and i was yeah. like you know what i really appreciate that because as an artist i'm like i know that i know what it is that i know yeah but i also know that there's a lot of stuff i don't know yeah you get what i'm saying sure yeah and i was like i appreciate that and you can, all you can do is show up with who you are yeah, yeah. And i was like i know dance yeah so i have that to offer you yeah the other stuff Let's collaborate, because I don't know what I don't know. Right. So what did you do when you left with that with those sides? I went home and I studied. You didn't? You Actually, didn't... I went to do my show, okay. and then I studied. But you didn't study with anybody? You didn't have somebody reading with you? You didn't, like, you know, get, like, somebody I, to... Oh, my best friend. Yeah. He also, my best friend is named Jonathan Caberta, and yeah. he's a better actor than I am. Uh-huh. Uh, we went to theater camp together. Okay. Yeah. But outside of theater camp, no coaching, no training, acting... Every once in a while, I took an acting class. Yeah. I had taken an on-camera class. Um, I took Bob Krakow's okay. class once. Yeah, um, I didn't last very long, right. but he he does give very good advice. Um, so you just Matt kinda... Newton. I took mm -hmm. Matt Newton's acting class. He was great. Yeah. So you yeah. just leaned into it, read it over with a friend, got it in your memory. Yeah. 
And do you do you, do you speak Spanish? No, I'm not fluent. Um, I, Did you grow up with it? No. Are, do you have uh, Latino in you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course I. I am Latina. I'm Afro Latina. My yeah. father is is Puerto Rican. Okay. Um, and again, didn't grow up with him. Sure, I get it. Um, but that doesn't make me less of what I am. I'm like, boo! I walk down the street. I'm a black woman to half the world. Sure. And if you know, I'm a Puerto Rican. Right. So. Yeah, I can. See, yeah, I can see. Uh, you know, you I have wonder, eyes. Yeah, but I mean, like, so how did you learn Spanish? I took lessons. And in fact, that was one of the reasons why I was nervous about accepting the job, because I am very aware that there's not enough representation in the industry. Yeah. In my in my opinion. And quite frankly, it's just a fact. Um, so I didn't want to take this job and then not do it well. Or if I was if the, this character was going to speak Spanish. Yeah. She needed to do it really well. You, well. well, you did it really well. I mean, you seem like, uh, you know, you were from that part of town. Thank, I'm glad. That means I did my job. And I'm, no, I, I'm thrilled. They armed me with, like, all the different coaches. How's your dialect Spanish coaches. Now? I'm still working on it. I don't speak <laughs> Spanish in public because I'll be honest with you. I get really nervous. Yeah. And then I start to stutter and I get the words wrong because I, I still have, maybe that's part of my own baggage or trauma. Mm. But like, I carry it in the language. Like, mm. I get... My tongue starts to feel really yeah, <laughs> heavy, and yeah. I can't speak. So, um, so you had yeah. dialect coach, language coach, yeah, language like, coach. Um, you do those takes where you're like, they're like, you know, that one word. Yes, I, exactly I, that. Yeah, I know. I but know. it was constant. It was constant, and that's how I wanted it. Yeah. Um, Victor Cruz. Make I could not right. have done Make this right. without yeah. this man named Victor Cruz and um, and Tom Jones, for that matter. They were the two coaches on the film. So and when incredible. you go back, what happens? Well, they put me in full hair and makeup, which that had never happened to me before. Uh, um, so they made me in Juanita. Yeah. And I did a chemistry test with two different Bernardos. One of them was David Alvarez. And I did read the scenes. And I thought, I think I did a pretty good job with them. Yeah, it seems like you did. And then the, ne- <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day. I think you got the part. I d- yeah, the next day he called me from an airplane. Steven yeah. Spielberg called me from an airplane uh-huh. and asked me if I would be his Anita. And it was the coolest moment. I was in a nail salon yeah. uh, crying silently <laughs> with like tinfoil on my nails. And it was yeah. It was one of those New York moments that I was like, you can't make this shit up. No. What is happening? Yeah. It was cool. And then you start work. Now- how long before you started work? You had to run the show. Oh, so I he offered me the part in late September, yeah. early October. Right. They didn't announce the casting until January, so I had right. to keep it a secret for three months. Yay. And then we started pre-production in March, and we started shooting in May, I believe. So how familiar were you with the original? Pretty familiar. I mean, I... Did you watch it again? No. You didn't? Uh, not at all. You didn't want to have nope, it in your head. Didn't no. What what would be the point? I'm well, not like trying to you, duplicate or recycle. No, of course, no. But I'm just curious. Like I'm not even thinking about duplicating recycle because I mean, you know, Kushner had the challenge of taking what was already a good musical and yeah. making a version of it that was both honored. That one did not, you know, right. Uh, so it was, it, everybody was sort of in that position. Like, yes. you know, how are you going to make that better or just make a different version? Is what you're doing, right? right? But I imagine if you're watching the old one as a dancer, you'd pick up the dance before you, you pick any. Like yeah. you would see, because it's like there was a different style then. Absolutely. Well, approach. Jerome Robbins, like that choreography. Yeah, yeah. It, he had a very specific language. Yeah. And 
I'm very well versed in it, to be frank. You oh, know, you know my, that Jerome Robbins. I do. Yeah. I do. I know the legacy industry yeah. of Jerome Robbins. Yeah. And, um, and that comes from my mentors. You know, I was trained by some of the best in the industry in regards to my dance training. Yeah. And so I didn't need a refresher because it's part of what makes me you. me. So um, where you start from scratch with everything. Yeah. When do you when do you meet Rita, who did the original? Oh my gosh. Anita. I <laughs> met Rita Moreno. She came to one of our big rehearsal days yeah. and we were we had sort of like community show and tell days um so our producers brought in folks who were living in San Juan Hill in 1957 and they would come and talk to us and talk to like uh-huh. what was going on on the block really? what actually was going on with really? the gangs yeah really we had an Irish gang member come we had uh old people yeah Yes. Like they brought in our elders to talk to us about their lived experience. Huh. You know, Puerto Ricans came in. We had uh, Virginia, Virginia Sanchez yeah. Corral, yeah. Um, who was an expert in Puerto Rican studies, came to talk to us. Uh-huh. Um, and gosh, there were just so many different examples wow. of that. That's interesting. It's helpful yeah. because like. We're telling Westside for a new generation. Yeah. In what world do any of us know what the hell was going on in 1957? Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I really appreciated it. Yeah. Um, but she came on that day uh, to sit with them and to talk about her experience making West Side Story, uh-huh. the film. Uh-huh. And then in the middle of one of her stories, she stood up and she goes, wait. Where is the girl who's playing Anita? Where is Ariana? <laughs> and all my colleagues, I just, oh my God, I wanted to die, turned around and stared at me and yeah. pointed. Yeah, and yeah. Thank God they were they were clapping. Yeah, it was yeah. supportive. Uh-huh. But I immediately turned red and I stood up and I was like, hi. And she yeah. goes, you and me got some talking to do. Uh, That's really? how we met. Uh-huh. And yeah. what was that talking? Oh, eventually I came out of hiding. Yeah. Or, and I, she took me to lunch and she was like, what do you, what do you want to know? I'll tell you anything you want to know. And I just said, I want to know anything you want to tell me. Did you want to know things? I wanted to know things about her. Right. Sure. I, her experience. Her Didn't she experience. Win, did she win, she won an Oscar for it, yeah, right? Yeah, she did. She did. She's With, the first and the only Latina to win an Oscar. And you, like, if you want, it would be wild if you won the Oscar for the same part. It, yeah, it would. It would it'd be, it'd be amazing, but also sort of a, a, a kind of a, a, it'd be a great thing, but it'd be kind of telling about the industry. Like the only to Latina, you know, Oscar, like these Oscars for the same, it's kind of the same. Well, it it could be interesting. It's not often that happens. In fact, I believe Anita would only be the third character for that to happen to. Have Latinas won Oscars since? Not for acting roles. Isn't that wild? So it would be, I think it would be incriminating in a way to, uh, to like, you guys, this is it. Two Anitas win in in a hundred years. (laughs) It's <laughs> not a hundred years, not quite a hundred. You know years. what I mean? That's Maybe what, sixty. It's interesting, but it is interesting. But I can tell you something. I yeah. I choose to look at it this way because everything's choice. Yeah. If I'm the first of anything, yeah, that means I will not be the last. Sure. So it's like if if these things happen, if the doors can open, great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So now let's. Yeah. Bring more people. Build well, a longer table. Well that, well, that well, that's the amazing thing about even watching the first one, yeah. it, it, the original, because you know it's accepted as the uh, as one of the best movie musicals ever. But because of the time, it was all brown face. There was it, no and, right, and and that's just a reality. Correct. So you know the difference between then and now is profound. It is, and honestly, what you just said, I was like, that's the reason you you reimagine West Side Story so that you can allow Latinos to play Latinos, that's right. like. 
kind of period point blank you know yeah. like we can revere the 61 film for for craft uh-huh. but that still doesn't mean they got everything right you yeah, know of course so i i don't know i just think um i think there's a lot of work to do but sure. i'm excited i'm excited that people are seeing west side and embracing it and yeah and kushner gave everybody real lives yes connected so many yeah. dots he built real tangible dynamic characters that it's a privilege to play and they're characters that all different types of actors would like give their eye teeth for this sure, sure. it's amazing yeah. anita arguably is one of the greatest written characters of all time but what tony kushner gave me was like the connected dots yeah and she is well written and it does not come along every day yeah and what was your relationship with him uh, during the shooting how did that work when you guys are doing it he's on set and he oh my god script is king for him yeah you know and i i do love that about him but we're just very open i was like come tell me what you're thinking yeah i was like i "I dropped a line i know i dropped a line do we need it like we always had a dialogue yeah and and Spielberg was like what how is Same. The, the three of you going yeah. over stuff? I mean it's never just three it's like sure. seven but um yeah it's it's very collaborative and there wasn't a moment where they couldn't walk up to me or I could go to them and be like this doesn't feel right yeah why doesn't feel right and yeah. then we'd look at it on the page or it watch out. it back on yeah. your playback and work it out um, I think we all understood we could not. F- get to the finished product without each other mm. you know yeah. Steven said something really cool today Yeah, he was like in this industry this facet of the industry there's no headliner it's like there's no one below there's no one above huh. we're all on the same plane and I was like for Steven Spielberg to feel that way in a musical specifically no, in general in, in general, general huh. in this industry and how, huh. how we celebrate each other's work and how we view each other wow, he's like there's uh... no there's no headliner Huh. There's no above the line. There's no below the line. There's just the line. Huh. And I was like, that's cool. That's how he treated us on set. Yeah. That was his process. There was no above or below the line. There was just the line. It's an interesting project for him to just to decide to do, isn't it? <laughs> I think it took him, you know, so it took a long time for him to get the courage to finally do it. And you know, he, t- he said the other day, he almost backed out of it. His wife, Kate, had to be like, you're going to make this movie. Yeah. So now... You're an actress. Yes. <laughs> I, I I know it's like you're in the middle of this uh, whirlwind. When are the Oscars? What March day? 27th. Not soon. It is. <laughs> so what has come, what has happened since, like, what, are, are you getting offers? I am, actually. And it's nice. I've are never they, really gotten offered anything before. For, so. Are they musical-driven? No, they're not. And it's so great. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean a feedback. That's right. Um, <laughs> they're not. Um, I was actually really worried that... Yeah. Well, because like I did the prom and did and now West Side Story. And I was like, that's a lot of musicals. And yeah. I want to try something new. I right. want to challenge myself. Yeah. So it's been really heartening. Stuff. The things I'm being offered. Oh, great. Nothing to do oh, with good. musicals. Do you have, is there part of you that wants to do, do you want to have a, a recording career? Maybe. Mm. Just waiting for the right opportunity. I'm not trying to be Lady Gaga. Yeah. I just want to sing. I yeah. like singing. Right. Um, I'm I don't I by no means consider myself a pop star. Right. But no, I right. do yeah. love making music and I like when I do my cabaret shows, um, because I have done them and I enjoy them so much. Um, I treat my audience like they are in my living room. Yeah. So welcome that to my living room. It could be fun. Well, I haven't seen like a, a show that's a cabaret show, really. Really? Have you? 
like a oh, like no. a like a special shot as a cabaret show, like even no, like I on mean, HBO well, or something. I feel like I yeah. guess Bette Midler did some stuff. At she some did point. stuff like that. <laughs> uh, Liza Minnelli has right. done stuff like that. Yeah. Well, then you have the variety show, the Sunday and Share of it all. Like, there yeah, was, but that's a little different. It's a little different. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I don't huh. know. People like that kind of thing. Yeah, they there do. There might be well, space yeah. for it. Well, someday. Yeah. Well, I well, I wish you you know uh, uh, all the uh, breaking legs. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, it was great talking to you. You, you too. did a great job. You are awesome. Well, that's very like, nice. Like, and by the way, you're really beloved. Like, I can't tell you how many people were like, "Wait, you're gonna do a Mark Maron show? Oh my god, oh my god! Come on. Like, you need to be yeah. chill. You need to be chill." I'm like, I am chill. You're making me not chill. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, you are well, so beloved. Well, that's nice to know. I I need to hear that occasionally. Thank you. You are welcome. Okay. <laughs> Okay, that's me and Ariana DeBose. As I said earlier, West Side Story is now streaming on Disney Plus and HBO Max, also available on digital and Blu-ray. And now I'm going to attempt to play some slide guitar because I had Bonnie Raitt in here the other day, and she tuned up one of my guitars to an open tuning. The strings are too light and the action's too low, but uh, I got off on it, and this is me just fucking around with a slide. Because Bonnie Raitt tuned my guitar for me.
Boomer lives. Monkey in the Fonda. Cat angels everywhere.